May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ envelop each and every one of you this morning. Um, it is so good to be in the house of the Lord again and to be able to worship the Lord. And I don't, I'm so happy that it doesn't have to only happen right here in church, but that it can happen everywhere that we are. Um, this morning for the, the title of my um, message, I think it could be called Bearing One Another's Burdens. And this message has been percolating in my mind for the last month, month and a half, and it had to do with, um, in our small groups, the question was asked, they said, um, how do we bear one another's burdens? And the question was also asked, do we have burdens that we'd like to share tonight? And it was, it was very interesting because um, we understand after, after our evening of sharing together, we understand, you know, most of us deal with a lot of the similar um, uh, struggles, a lot of similar um, dysfunctions or whatever that you want to call them because they're, each and every one of us, if we haven't walked through that valley of depression, of, of you know, having a burden, we will. That's something that you've got to look forward to. Um, this morning I'm reading just three verses from Galatians chapter 6, the first three verses. I'm not even sure how far that I'm going to get, but I'm going to move along as fast as I can. <clears throat> it says, in the first verse it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. <clears throat> Overtaken, it says, if there's a man overtaken in sin, you who are spiritual, restore him. So overtaken, I don't think, means that somebody that willfully and every day walks in sin and continues to walk in sin, but one that has been overtaken in sin. Something happened in his life that put him into possibly the slew of depression or something like that. And now our duty as a church is to restore such a one. It's way too easy, I think, in our churches today that we, we, um, we start pointing fingers and saying, we get accusatory and we say, um, you know what, if you wouldn't have done this or if you wouldn't have done that, you wouldn't be where you are today. Or we can even sometimes we ignore the problem. We just say there is no problem. Therefore, I'm not going to, to bother with it. But I think today as a brotherhood, we're responsible to each other as a church we're responsible to restore such a person. And the only way that we're going to be able to restore such a person is if we have a walk with God. It's not going to come natural. It's a little bit like we were talking in Sunday school. It's way too easy for me to be judgmental about Shane. It's way too easy for me to be judgmental about Jeremy. And we start pointing fingers and we say, this is, this is not the way that things should be. I'm, you know... You need a good talking to, you need to straighten up, and everything is going to be okay. <clears throat> but our, our, our um, calling is to restore such a person. And how does that look? <clears throat> In verse 2, it continues, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of God. Bearing one another's burdens. I think in Romans 15, 1, in the first verse, it says that we're supposed to 
you who are, um, let me see, and, and some of these things are going to be, I'm going to be shooting from the hip, I'm not going, I'm going to paraphrase them, and so you've got to, you've got to deal with it, but it says, you who are strong, bear the infirmities of the weak. Well, that effectively takes me out because I'm not the strong one. So therefore, I don't have to deal with these messes that occur in our churches and in our, in our um, brotherhood and uh, in our friends and whoever else. We're not responsible for that because we're not. <laughs> it didn't seem like I'm bragging if I'd say I'm strong. So um, no, you'd better go to Dwight if you want to have somebody that's strong. <clears throat> no, I don't think that's what I'm called to do. And John chapter 13, verse 1, I think it is. No, John chapter 13, verse 15, I believe it is. It says that I am your Lord and Master, and you are to wash my feet as I did yours. There again, paraphrasing. It's not saying it, and it's not, I'm not saying it exactly as it says there in John. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to, to share each other's burdens. Um, I've got a story, bear with me, it's a, it's a long one, because it happened to me. Um, we lived in the um, farm right behind my mom and dad's place, I milked, I milked goats, um, for those of you that are interested in that, 160 of them, quite, quite, a, quite a deal. And um, one winter, I think that was about 12 or 15 years ago, one winter, my sister, Regina, was asked to go to Galilean Homes for a couple of weeks to help out. And um, if any of you are familiar, this, going back just a little bit, if any of you are familiar with milking goats, there's two months of frantic activity, then two months of just kind of holding out, then two months of slowing down, and then there's two months of just shut off, and you can try to survive off of what you hopefully earn through the, through the other months. And um, so my sister said, we had, we had the dry period during the time that she was, she was going to take off, but she said, are you going to be okay if I leave for two weeks? It's going to be right during kidding time. And I said, oh yeah, that won't be a problem. I also um, had about 3,000 chickens um, that we gathered by hand, the eggs that we gathered by hand. And... Um, she said, are you sure? And I said, yep, yeah, no problem. I'm a he-man. I don't, I don't, I don't need help. I can, I can, I can do this. Um, she left. My parents, my parents also told me that, um, they said, if you need help, Norman, we're here to help. We, we will help if you want help. I said, no, I'm, I'm fine. I can, I can do this. One morning, one Sunday morning, I was milking 17 goats. They, they were just, they were just really slow in starting to kid. I didn't like it. And um, Monday I had some goats fresh, and Tuesday I had some goats fresh, and Wednesday morning I went out at 4 o'clock to milk goats, and there was kids all over the place. And I quick tried milking the goats that were fresh, and I went out and I milked the goats that just had fresh and gave the kids colostrum, ear tagged them, put them into the incubator. And it commenced the snowing that day too. And thank God for a kind neighbor because I had a quarter mile long lane to grade the, the feed truck 
and the egg truck was going to be coming, and there was three-foot drifts in my drive that needed to be bladed before noon. And so I went out with James's four-wheel drive uh, front-wheel assist tractor and commenced blading my drive, and that tractor even didn't like the drifts that much. There's twice that I had to dig myself out by hand. It took a long time to get that done. Meanwhile, the goats continued freshening. All day long, I was running. Breakfast time came. I didn't have time for breakfast. That's trivial things. We don't, we don't sweat the small stuff. Lunch time came. I was still running wildly. <clears throat> By midnight that night, I had 38 goats freshen. I had 200 kids to feed that were less than three days old. And if any of you have ever tried doing that, that's, that's quite a task. But at 3 o'clock, there was a feeling of overwhelming. Um, I, I can't do this. Come on, Norman, you can do this. Just, just go for it. Just, just do it. No, I can't do it. And I humbled myself, and I went up to my mom and dad's place, and I asked them, hey, could you come down and help me with the chicken chores? I said, I, I'm just running out of time. And um, they said, well, absolutely. And they even brought my nephew along to help. And they came down, and they helped. Not only did they help that day, they came the rest of the week and helped me out. Every day, they faithfully came down and came and did the chicken chores. Bear that, that story in mind. I made it through the day, um, made it through that week, and things continued. So, coming back to Galatians 6, verse 2, it says, Bear ye one another's burdens. And so what does a burden look like to you? I like, I like the picture of, you know, there's a person walking down the road, and, and you know, a, he's got a great big old backpack. He might even be going down to... <laughs> to Grand Canyon, I've done that. It's no fun. You got a 60 pound backpack on your back and after a full day of that not being used to it, you're kind of walking like this and you're really tired and it's, and it's no fun. And you know, there's nothing that would probably be more encouraging to you at that point in time if somebody had come along and he'd say, hey, you look tired. Would you mind if I'd carry your backpack for a while? <laughs> uh, sure, why not? You might not say that at the beginning of the day, but at the end of the day, you might. Um, so we are called to carry our burdens of our, I mean, carry the burdens of our brothers. I think that's something that we need to, to think about because there again, like I said, if we don't have a burden, if we've never had a burden, trust me, there will be a time in our lives where we will have. And so um, some of my friends growing up used to like to, to um, read the comic strip where Charlie Brown was, and with Peanuts, was, the, was kind of the main actor. And Charlie Brown told Lucy one day, he said, you know, life has got its ups and downs. And Lucy didn't like that thought at all. She said, no, all I want is ups, ups, and more ups. So why isn't it that way? 
In Christian living, you know, if we've had this victorious experience with Jesus Christ, shouldn't we be experiencing ups, ups, and more ups? Doesn't that make more sense? But no. Ever since the fall of man, um, we have been dealing with that. Ever since Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, that's, that's when it started. Ever since then, we've dealt with sicknesses. We've dealt with, with um, financial woes. We've dealt with church problems. We've dealt with marriage problems. And the list could go on and on and on. And yet God has chosen it to be that way for a reason. And I want to be careful how I say that because it's way too easy to get, have a pat answer for these things. It's like, oh, you just have to have faith. It'll all be good. Because sometimes it's easy to have that pat answer. Um, reminds me of there was a, there was a um, church camp. And the children were all looking jaded and bored to tears. And the, the guy that was teaching decided to make it a little more interesting and came up with a pop quiz. And he said, how many of you know what is either brown or gray, runs really fast, has a bushy gray tail, and gathers nuts and climbs trees? Do any of you children know what that is? What that could possibly be? What do you think it is? That's right. Well, in this guy's camp, they didn't have nearly as intelligent children as they did on our church. And there was a long silence. And he said, come on, this isn't that hard. You know, just, this isn't a trick question. Just answer it. And there was a little girl reluctantly raised her hand in the back. And he said, yes. And she says, well, I'd want to say it's a squirrel, but I feel like the right answer might be Jesus. <laughs> and I, you know, it's not, it's not about what feels like the right answer. Do, do I really feel like it in my own heart that this is the right answer? Because I do need to make it real in my life that I do understand that this world isn't going to be a perfect world. No matter how close my walk with Christ is, I'm going to still deal with, with those sin issues that come up. And so when I, when I come to that realization, then I think it's going to be easier to, to walk on um, with bearing one another's burdens, I think. <clears throat> I don't think we're asked to try to figure out why God allowed it to happen. We're asked to come alongside our brethren that are struggling to help carry their load. And the, the best thing that I like about it, um, when I was reading and studying on that, there was a realization that came to me that hit me. And I think it, it is so true and it's so important. You know, we like to think that when we're, we're walking alongside a bur uh, brother, that we're bearing his burden, that we're helping him out. You know, that may be true. That may be true. But if you're shedding that light for someone else, Guess what? You can't help but light your own path as well. And I, I love that thought because it's, it's the more you give, 
the more will be coming back to you. It's, it's just wonderful to think that when you're lighting someone else's path, you're going to be lighting your own as well. Um, how can I be a burden bearer? And I've got three points on how I can be a burden bearer. And number one is, can I be a burden bearer without being a burden carer? Can I actually bear someone else's burdens unless I actually care about that person? We had a group of friends together very recently and we were talking about what our passions in life are. What are we really truly passionate about? And I was so excited, one of the, one of the people there made the comment that they said that they have a real passion to help people that are suicidal and are dealing with depression. That is beautiful. It really is. Because you know what? There's, there's needs all the way around us that people deal with that kind of stuff. But you, how many of us, how many of us out there are going to be comfortable with coming up here and saying, well, you know, Norman, I'd like to tell you I've been having suicidal thoughts. And you know, I'd, I'd really want to share this with you today. They probably aren't going to do that unless they sense that I care about you. We're called to be burden carers. And that makes so that we're going to have to go out and we're going to have to have actual relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. With the man out on the street that we've never met before. We're going to have to have relationships with that person. Because there's, there's a couple of things. Um, I don't think that most people enjoy sharing the burdens. They don't like to admit that we're weak, that we would just like to have somebody walking alongside us. But you know what? We've also got a, we've also got a um, duty to share as well. Do we actually care about that person? Do we care about him so much that we want nothing more than to come up alongside that person and say, you know, I know that you're carrying a burden and I want to share it with you. I want to help you with this, with this load that you're carrying. I, I can feel that you're overwhelmed, you're lost, you're struggling, you're, you don't know where you're coming or where you're going to and, and, and what, what's going to come next in life. <clears throat> so that's, that's the first point that I'm bringing out. That's my parents and the, on the goat farm. They told me before, they said, you know, we're here for you, Norm. We'll help you if you need help. Point number two, when you see a burdened person, you want to and will come along to help and encourage our friends onward and upward. It's pretty important. If, if you don't take that part of it, even though it gets messy, even though it's, it's you know, you don't, it's no fun, you're going to do it because you're willing and want to help that person see and experience a closer walk with God. 
You know, I don't think that I don't think that most people today are going to come up and they're just going to, the first thing that they say is they're going to say, Norman, we've got a problem. And I'm not sure what exactly would happen if I'd say, aww, I'm so sad that you've got that problem. I'll pray for you, you know, and, and leave it at that. And yet, so many of us do that, especially here at church, if I may say so. <clears throat> My parents were a lesson in that. They came alongside, they helped. And this is probably the one that convicts me more than anything else. Yet, you have to be willing to see the struggle and then walk through that struggle all the way through until he or she can see his way through life. That gets old. It gets messy. It, gets be, it means being involved in things that you don't even want to be involved in. It's okay. That is our calling in life. Today, in the future, and it was our calling in the past as well. Each one of us are called to be there and helping each other. Lesson number three, my parents stayed and helped until things were under control. Then the other thing is like, well, here's one scripture that we've got that says that we're supposed to do this. Is that that important? I mean, do I really, really need to pay that much attention to it? Why should I even do this? It's a thankless job for number one. I mean, sometimes if you tell people that you're walking alongside, you tell them the truth, you, say, you finally lose patience and you say, you know what, what you need is Jesus. You need, you need a come to Jesus meeting right now. And you say, well, that person didn't even appreciate that. They didn't even like it. Now they hate my guts. I mean, that's, that's just, you know, I'm not even going to get involved with this. That's where God calls us. It's okay. We don't, we don't have to be liked by everybody. Um, 1 John 3, 16 to 18 says, um, Hereby I perceive we... The love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have needs, and shutteth up the bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed, and in truth. And I think that's, that's the first reason that we should do it, is because we love our fellow brethren. And then... Uh, number two, it demonstrates our faith. In James 2, 15 to 17 says, If your brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warm and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not these things which are, plenty, are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. I think there, that we're called more than just saying, you know, hey, I hope God takes care of you. I, I trust that God's got this. God does. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. But it sure makes it a whole lot easier. We are all called today. 
Every one of us um, has got needs. And I was so blessed here recently. There was one of my friends was, was visiting with another friend. And I, I just heard it out of the corner. Or I, I heard it. Uh, I was, had another conversation going. And there was, there was issues in this friend's life that, that he was dealing with. And this brother was dealing with the very same things. And, you know, previously up to that point, they had never known that they were dealing with the same thing. And it was so encouraging to see me, or for me to see them walking together this road that, that they could encourage each other and they were able to relate to each other on a positive a note because I have walked this valley and I'm still walking this valley and I need my brethren to come up alongside me. I had something happen to me this week that was was quite, um, I don't know, it scared me quite a bit. And that was, and, I, and it made me think, you know, how, am I, how much am I willing to delve into my brothers' and sisters' lives? How much am I willing to delve into my friends' lives? Do I, do I risk, do I, do I sometimes put myself out there in, in order so that, that, I can feel, or that my friends can feel that I actually care and love for them. I had a call from a friend, and, I, and he said, um, and I'm just going to use these names because most of you are going to be, or some of you at least, are going to be familiar with them anyway. They said, Norman, did you hear that Bob Stutzman's son committed suicide? And I'm really good friends with, with, the sons, and I go, really? I said, which one? They said, well, we don't know. And I said, are you sure it's, it's the right Bob Stutzman? I said, when did it happen? He said, last night. And I said, I'm almost sure that if it would have happened, I would have found out by this time. And he said, yeah, if you didn't know about it, I'm, I'm wondering if it actually happened. And, you know, I, in my back of my head, I was thinking, no, I, I would have heard about it if it would have happened. And yet I couldn't rest. And so I called the pastor at the church there, and I, I called him, and, and he didn't answer. And right away, it's like he's making funeral arrangements. That's why. I couldn't rest. I called another one of my friends, and I said, How's the Bob Stutzman family doing right now? Um, he, he said, okay, as far as I know, and I said, thank you. That's what I wanted to hear. I said, is there another Bob Stutzman out there? And he said, yeah, there is. There's a Robert Stutzman, and his son committed suicide this morning. And it was, it was such a relief, and that sounds bad. There is never a good time for anyone to do that. But on the other hand, it's like, am I willing, do I listen to my friends good enough that I'm able to hear out their heart, to feel them, to, to know where they're at, and feel their pain, and to understand where they're coming from? Is there a reason? 
that we can't share with each other? Is there a reason that we can't humble ourselves to admit the valleys that we're walking through? Because I want to be there when people need me. I also want people to be there when I need them. Wish you all the Lord's blessings. Let's bear each other's burdens. <laughs>